0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mixtape Podcast. Today with us we have Fatma Bhutto, a writer and activist uh, from Pakistan and we will be discussing various aspects of writing and this should be very interesting for those who are looking for ways to learn how to write or get published and she is also part of a very specific program that we will be discussing shortly. So hello and welcome Fatma. Thank you for having me. So let's just uh, get right to it. So writing yeah. um, in this current scenario where our attention span is compared to a goldfish and now mm-hmm. as per recent stats, some even say that we our attention span is even shorter than that of a goldfish. Uh, mm-hmm. And writing requires a lot of attention span and reading requires a lot of attention span. So mm-hmm. What's your take on it? And is writing even still relevant in today's social media age?
1: Oh, I think writing is always going to be relevant. Nothing is going to happen that makes writing irrelevant because writing is about um, much more than just words on a page. It's about understanding, about communion, about pain, about joy, about all these things. And as long as those things are relevant, writing will be relevant. But it is true that social media has shortened our attention spans. And I think also the pandemic has been very, very distracting. Um, and, and it's made it very difficult to concentrate because we are overloaded with information and anxiety and worries. And I think that those moments happen, and I think you have to take them as they come. There will be periods where you can't read very much, and that's fine, you don't have to. And then there'll be periods where you... Just consume books. So I'm one of those people who tries not to get nervous about quiet zones in writing or reading, and just to accept them as they come, um, knowing that nothing really lasts forever, you'll always have phases.
0: Yeah, well, I think that that's good to know. A lot of people, including me who you know have good read challenges that they see that they might not be achieving in twenty twenty. That's uh, good to know that they're not alone. Um, Moving on um, to different writing styles. You started off mostly as writing fiction, writing uh, newspaper columns, Uh, and your fiction writing came later on. So just let's talk a bit about uh, the writing process or the behind the scenes mechanism when you're writing a non-fiction piece or a non-fiction book. Uh, to hmm. compare to uh, how the process is when you're writing fiction?
1: Well, they're all very different processes. Even if we're talking about nonfiction, there's a huge difference between writing a piece for a newspaper and writing a book. Um, obviously, not just in the time it takes, um, the speed in which you have to accomplish your, your aim. And and not just in um, in that, but also, you know, when you write something for a newspaper, it comes out, immediately it comes out the next day or the next week and it's published and people react to it you know a book has a much slower time frame so even when it comes to you know gratification or conversation or uh, being able to share it you know you, it doesn't come out the next day it comes out maybe years later when your opinion might have changed about something or you know you no longer believe a certain thing you might have believed when you started um at the same time, the the way of writing nonfiction for me is very different than fiction. When you write nonfiction, you're usually searching for something, or you're trying to make the case for something. So, let's say you want to write about uh, smog in Lahore. That's very clear. You know what you have to find. You know what you need to make your case, and you go out, you find it, and you present it. If you're Doing the same thing in fiction, if you want to write a short story or a novel about smog in Lahore, of course, it's not that simple. It's not just a question of you knowing about smog. You know, you have to build an entire story, build a universe around it. That universe has to be constructed and imagined. You need to put in so many other things that have nothing to do with smog like the inner lives of people living in smog. You know, a, a man who drives a rickshaw will experience smog in a different way than a girl sitting in a pajero. So, so fiction is, is really about building a universe and in a way it's much harder and more challenging and infinitely more complicated, but it's also more liberating and more exciting to do in some ways than, than non-fiction is. Um,
0: I'll ask you something. You uh, something that you just said about you know uh, a book coming out, and by the time it, it's there, you might have you know your opinion might have changed. Uh, no. I think uh, in your specific case, I think the example we can use is your latest nonfiction, New Kings of the World, mm-hmm. uh, by the came King, New Kings of the World came out. You know, I, I remember I, I keep messaging you stuff. That's building mm-hmm. up on the k-pop front and everything and I'm like you know this should be there and maybe mm-hmm. have a second volume etc mm-hmm. uh, but my, my question here would be how how fair do you think it is to hold a writer or an author who has written something maybe fiction or non-fiction in a specific time in mm-hmm. specific circumstances but later if that person's opinion has changed or maybe um, in specific cases, for example, I'll say Robert Fisk, you know, some of his work is pretty amazing. But then mm. at the later stages, there were some of his pieces that were people were li- re- really questioning, is it the same writer or is it the same person? So how fair mm. is to, you know, and that when the people criticize the writing or that specific piece, at times the sort of overlook or forget that there has been something great that that same person has done. How Hmm. fair is to make that judgment?
1: Well, I think there's so many interesting things in what you said, and I'll try and answer them um, piece by piece. Um, Of course it happens because nothing is static. Nothing in the world is static, not even ourselves, you know, our personalities, our opinions, our beliefs are not static. They always evolve. Well, ideally, I mean, if you have uh, beliefs and personalities that don't evolve, I think you're in a bit more trouble than this podcast can can handle in our short time. But, but of course, things change, and it, you know, writing is a, is a, is a concentrated, sustained, slow process. So you can't possibly keep up um, pace in the same way you can with Twitter, let's say, you know, or a YouTube video. For example, you mentioned New Kings of the World, the book I wrote, a non-fiction book I wrote about um, globalization and popular culture. Things changed massively from when I began the work on that book and when it came out. So, for example, one of the countries I studied was Bollywood. Now, if you ask me personally, when I started the book and thinking about the book in 2016, towards the end of 2016, I started writing it in 2017 and researching it then. Bollywood was still a relevant and I thought interesting industry in the sense that it had massive global reach and looked to be only growing in that regard. Of course, by the time the book came out in 2019, uh, Bollywood had done the um, cinematic equivalent of shooting itself in its feet, you know? Um, and, And it changed drastically as an industry. Um, in many ways, I don't just mean politically. I mean, let's say, for example, that in India, they're now doing streaming on things like Amazon Prime. You know, th- that's a new direction. At the same time, things like TikTok, let's say, or, you know, the Chinese approach to popular culture, especially in regards to the internet, were, were not that big in 2016, to the rest of us, at least. They were not that obvious to the rest of us, whereas they're very obvious now. So things have to be taken in, in in the time that they're written. And books, I think, we must always look at as conversations. They don't give you the answer. They're not supposed to give you a definitive answer. They're supposed to present you one version of a story or one side of a story. And hopefully readers continue telling and thinking about that story on their own. In, in terms of Robert Fisk, who you mentioned, you know, um, I think Robert Fisk drew a lot of, Criticism because of his opinions about the war in Syria towards the end of his life, and I don't think the question was, you know, is he now a bad writer? With people who liked what he said about Lebanon, don't like what he said about Syria. Mm-hmm. Of course, people have opinions that we agree with in one part of the world, and we absolutely hate when it comes to another part of the world. It happens, you know. I think, um, I think that's part of being human, rather than being a writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people who who write, for example, about history, and you find them to be total windbags. But then they'll write about sport, and you find them dazzling and exciting and fascinating. and And I think that's normal. I think we should we should be used to that. We should be able to absorb different things, um, in 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 the time and the space in which they're presented to us. And third, if just to sum up this point, you know, is it fair to judge writers? I, I think it's as fair to judge a writer as it is fair to judge yourself for having an opinion that evolves or changes. Um, and, and so obviously by that I mean that judgment I think is something that should be left out of the process. I think you can disagree. I think you can um, want to engage in interrogation. Um, but judgment, I think, is a boring idea. You know, I'm not that interested in judgment. I'm more interested in um, in finding ways that, that ideas can be challenged and productive in productive and exciting ways.
0: Yeah, well, taking judgment out, you have basically taken oxygen out of social media in itself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Moving on, um, in the Canadian Indigenous community, they have sort of built this tagline which says, Nothing about us without us. Mm. So, my point here is that, you know, how important, in your opinion, is the fact that we need to tell our own stories? Because, Mm -hmm. given our colonial past and everything that we have been through, uh, it's very recently uh, that, you know, South Asians and Pakistanis specifically have started to tell their own stories in English language specifically and sort of yeah. taking it out to the rest of the world otherwise yeah. usually in the lang- english language be it history or fiction you would always yeah. have this outside perspective of some foreigner coming out and you know saying these things about the people or and that's obviously their perception about it they can't have that sort of in depth uh, understanding yeah. of a specific culture if they're coming out of uh, you know if they are yeah. not part of it so yeah. how do you think What's your take on it and how do you see the Pakistani literary community faring in that department?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's vital for people to be able to tell their own stories and for people to be given the space and time and encouragement and support to do that. Um it's not that I think that we need to be in silos, you know, that a Pakistani only needs to write about Pakistan. No, but if I'm going to read about Pakistan, I'm obviously interested in what a Pakistani has to say about it, and I don't particularly care what an Englishman has to say about it. You know, I mean, of course, if that Englishman is a great thinker and uh, a, a you know uh, a really keen observer, I'm curious. But but if you give me the choice of which I prefer. I'll, Obviously, I prefer to 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 read about what the Pakistani writes because the Pakistani has his finger on the a, a pulse on that pulse's language, that pulse's um, intimate life, family life, um, inside information that a foreigner will will just never get. Um, I I do think it's dangerous to say that people cannot veer into the world of imagination and investigation. Of course they should. But I think we need to be good critics in the sense that do it, but we then require it to be done well. So the example I always give when I talk about fiction in this regard is Rachel Kushner. Rachel Kushner is one of my favorite novelists, and, and she wrote her first book about Cuba. She's obviously not Cuban. Um, she's American. Uh, her mother spent a part of her childhood in Cuba and Rachel Kushner drew on a lot of those memories and stories, but she also did so much incredible research. And that research is not just travel, um, but reading, you know, uh, going into archives, talking to people, interviews. And Rachel Kushner does such a beautiful job of it that she can tell you what a sugarcane fire looks like. You know, at, at, at dusk or at uh, any other time of the day. She can tell you exactly what radio station a certain musician first sang on. She can tell you exactly what kind of car ran on what kind of petrol. She tells you what color the houses were painted, you know, how sweet the bananas are. Now, if you can do that about a place, then by all means, write about that place. But if you can't do that about the place, then maybe it's not your story to tell. Hmm. Oh, and you had another part of that question, which is how well are Pakistanis faring? I think they're faring very well. I think they're faring very well. I think, you know, if you ask me, is there a difference between literature created inside Pakistan versus literature created about Pakistan? Massive difference. And the quality is, I mean, there's no comparison. There's absolutely no comparison. You know, when you're a country like ours, which is very often um, politically, geopolitically, um, in the in in a in a storm, everybody wants to come and write a book about you and sort of explain you away. The problem is they don't understand you. So Pakistani writers have have um, I mean a million mile head start. On, on outsiders in this regard. They're talented, they're brave, um, they know the stories, they know what to look for. And and so I think it's only going to get better. I mean, that's my view at least as a reader. Yeah, I think another
0: observation might be, or at least it's my observation, that recently the books that have been written about Pakistan by foreign writers, their they're cover art is also pretty stereotypical. And it's quite similar. So you, at times,
1: don't know which to differentiate from yeah. one cover to another. Well, I will say that you know writers very rarely get to choose their covers. You know, It's not very much up to the writer. The writer only has a certain bit of room. So I wouldn't necessarily put the full future on the writer.
0: Not to blame the writers for it, but just that whole imagining a specific place, or stereotyping a specific place. I mean, there's... We uh, we love our truck art, but I think there's more to our cultural <laughs> representation yeah, than just
1: true. truck art colors it's on our uh, on the book covers. Um, it's true. There's definitely a stock um, set of images that are used again and again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving on to this
0: program that you shared on your social media, and we mm-hmm. at Mashable, we also sort of uh, tried to help, and you know, we did a write up around it. South South Asia Literary Mentorship Program. Uh, What is it? How did you get involved? And how can people apply for it?
1: Well, thank you, Mashable, for doing this because it's very important to me that we get Pakistanis into this program. And South Asia Speaks is a literary mentorship program that Sonia Falero, um, who is herself an, an Indian writer, came up with, and she got in touch with me and and a bunch of other writers and asked us if we would join the, the, the program as mentors. And essentially what it would be is it would be a mentorship program, I think for 19 people, there are 19 spots and 19 mentors, who would then mentor South Asians working on books of fiction or nonfiction over the course of next year. It's Open only to people who are living in Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Bhutan, Nepal, and the Maldives. So if you're a Pakistani but living in uh, wherever, I don't know, uh, you know, you always forget countries when you have to name one, <laughs> wherever, Brazil, then unfortunately you can't apply. It's also only open to unpublished writers. So if you've already published a book, Sadly, you can't apply. Um, If you went to creative writing school, also unfortunately, um, then this isn't the right program for you. And the reason that that these things are as they are is because if you go to a creative writing school, it means you already have connections and contacts with people who can help you publish a book. And what South Asia Speaks is trying to do is it's trying to help people who have no contacts in the world of publishing, who would Who have talent and great ideas and great skill but don't have people who can help them. There's no age limit, okay? So you could be 19 years old or you could be 59 years old and there's no fee. Um, You just have to be living in those countries that I mentioned and you have to be working on a long-term book. Um, It is uh, a program which means that if you apply and you get selected, um, you will be placed with one of several mentors and the mentors are all amazing. So obviously Sonia Falero um, will be a mentor. I'm going to be a mentor. Sana Meher, another Pakistani writer, is going to be a mentor. Um, Mirza Wahid, a Kashmiri yeah. writer. Madhuri Vijay, Mahesh Rao, um, and, and many, many others will be will be a part of the program. And what we'll do is when we select the work that we're going to mentor, it means that we'll have a number of conversations with the writer over next year. I think it's something like five or six conversations throughout the year where we'll read bits of your work um, and then we'll chat over Zoom. Uh, sorry, that was my dog. Um, We'll chat over the course of your writing about not just the book. um, If the writer is having trouble with, you know, research or coming up with certain ways of presenting an idea, we can talk about that. But it also means that we'll help advise you on putting together your proposal. We'll help advise you reaching out to agents and publishers and thinking about how to do that. And um, I think it's quite exciting. I think it's great to have this opportunity available South Asia. So the deadline is December 10th. Um, the website is a kind of long website that I can never remember offhand. But if you just check my Twitter, we'll plug it in. We'll plug it in. Oh, great. Um... Okay, super. So you just go to the website, you send an email to speaksouthasia at gmail.com. Um, where you introduce yourself very briefly, just like one or two lines. You tell us whether you're working on fiction or nonfiction, reportage or translation. And you add two links to published work. Uh, Published, obviously, not books, right? But like articles or essays. Or if you've never been published anywhere, then just two writing samples. Um, And then you give us a synopsis of the project you're working on for which you're seeking a, a mentor. That synopsis should be about two paragraphs. And uh, you can get all this information on the website. And um, I think we begin in January. So, you know, it's it's around the corner. Oh,
0: I think something good to look forward to for writers when they're entering 2021. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think there's, you know, as we just said, there's stories that need to be told. But the problem is, is that, you know, the world of writing, like anything else, has gatekeepers. And what... Uh, what Sonia is trying to do with this mentorship program, I think, is break down some of those barriers and help get new voices inside the gates.
0: Uh, this actually sounds pretty interesting and it sort of connects to the fact that recently, uh, working at Mashable, uh, I sort of discovered that there are very young Pakistani writers who, mm-hmm. for example, there's this 17-year-old kid from Sialkot, who sort of reached out to us, trying to trying to see if we can help promote the fact that she has published self published a book, uh, a fiction book about you know mental health, and given mm. that it was done during the pandemic, it was I have yet to read it, but uh, mm. the bits and pieces and the stuff we got to talk to her that was pretty amazing, but sadly the thing um, that was highlighted in that and a couple of other similar cases and and kids of the same age group are doing basically writing but they don't have this sort of you know maybe a mentorship program or some guidance of how to go about it and mm-hmm. uh one of the cases that i got to know about sadly had to end up uh you know making this deal with amazon so this uh-huh. gets itself published and then the the only way you can get their book is through amazon and you know amazon selling books is a whole different conversation. Uh, mm. So how do you think, you know, how can Pakistani literary community, writers, we unfortunately don't have a well-established publishing industry, but whatever mm. few names that there are, how can they, you know, come up and develop such programs? I mean, from what I understand and what we have shared, this is one person trying to do mm. something and you know coming up with an idea, So what else I think, or how can you, you can, you know, maybe suggest how local authors can, you know, do something locally and then maybe highlight the work at the global platform.
1: Well, you know, I hope this mentorship program is something that will grow. And I hope that, you know, if people apply and of course, um, you know, these things are not easy. Writing is not easy. People may have a passion for it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, succeed in it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you may be a great writer, but you've got no discipline, in which case, sorry to tell you, but you're never going to be a writer in that case. You know, talent is only half of uh, the equation. You need to have a, a great endurance uh, and a great discipline to be able to get through the process, like with anything in life, um, obviously. But I think, you know, besides this program, which I hope will grow in the years to come, there are certain things, you know, LLF, I think, um just just before the pandemic really went nuts um hosted um they host sometimes writing workshops don't they and i did one for llf this past february i know there are probably small boutique businesses and um kind of if not businesses boutique places that offer writing workshops or writing opportunities in bihisan um at LLF, I did mine with the writing room. Um, I did another one of those workshops online earlier this year as well. So I think I think those are good options. One of the things the pandemic has done is put things online, which means that people don't have to be in a city to attend a workshop. If you're interested in writing and there isn't one in your town, look online, see if there's something um, that works for you that you can join in and above all else you know mentors help um, but they're not necessarily required. If you want to be a writer then you must write <laughs> right 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 that's the best thing you can do.
0: Okay, so here I'll, I'll just include some social media questions because they're pretty relevant to you know what we were discussing right now. So you just mm-hmm. mentioned you know that you need it you need discipline. So one of the questions yeah. that we got was, you know, how to stay focused uh, while writing yeah. a script or because the person is saying that they have like plenty of demotivating instance incident, uh, and once that happens, they sort of get detracted and can't then go back
1: to or, you mm. know, what they had started. So any tips mm. for that? Well, listen, you'll always have discouraging moments. All writers have discouraging moments. And all writers have their books or their articles rejected. I mean, it's so common. Nobody talks about it. But of course, it happens all the time, okay? There are writers who you know and who are famous and you love, who send an op-ed to a newspaper and the newspaper says, oh, I'm really sorry, this doesn't work for us. So if you're going to get discouraged easily, then do something else, you know, because you will be rejected and you will be turned down. Um, but you need to have a certain stamina, as I said, and also a sensitivity, which means that you know when you're turned down for the right reason versus the wrong reason. You know, And when you're turned down for the right reason, you have to go back to work with humility and with your ego put away and redo it. Um, so I think that's important. You know, A writer who thinks that you're going to do one draft and it's going to be great is not gonna succeed in this field because you need to have um, the, the knowledge that, that things are only shine when you polish them and polish them and polish them and polish them. Uh, but aside from that, you know, we all have periods of blocks. I don't know if this is what the question is referring to, but there are times when you can't really work. That's okay. That's usually your brain's way of telling you that you need more information. You need to do a bit more research or a bit more reading around your topic and use those periods for that.
0: Okay, that's, that's I think, a good advice. Uh, because I think, as you mentioned, and during even during the pandemic, not just writing, but I think there were reading blocks as well. So, yeah, that
1: mm-hmm. happens. Yeah, yeah, those um, are normal. Don't panic with those. Uh,
0: another question, which is pretty generic, but I, I'll sort of add to it. Someone asked, you know, how you can improve your writing skill, and what I'll add to is, uh, I think specifically this stands true for a lot of people writing in Pakistan or in our context, where uh, English was not their first language for the majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe, and I think uh, the sort of question that came in gave me that sort of reflection that they want to maybe write their English language improving skills. But mm-hmm. how important you think is because you have a thought in your mother tongue,
1: and then when you then write right in your mother tongue. tongue, yeah,
0: right,
1: yeah, write so, in your mother tongue, yeah. English is not English, you know. If, if English is the language you write in, it's the language you write in. If it's not, then forget it. Write in your language. Write in the language that you think in, that you feel in, um, and that 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 your voice is comfortable in, and uh, um. There sh- people shouldn't feel that it has to be in english english is not the best thing in the world i mean uh, i wish i could write in urdu <laughs> i can't but if i could i certainly i certainly would
0: yeah yeah so i just wanted you know coming from you that would be sort of another boost on that direction um the our next question is that somebody has asked that you know are there stereotypes of muslims and muslim women specifically that publishers fellow writers, or even readers push for or expect to be portrayed in stories? And how difficult it is to, you know, break these uh, stereotypes?
1: For sure there are, for sure there are. And listen, um, you know, uh, uh, the Western world has relied on these very banal stereotypes about Muslim women for centuries. You know, they have always thought of Muslim women as docile, submissive, sad sort of creatures. So they're obviously going to be confused when they come across depictions of Muslim women that don't fit their preconceived notion. Um, Does that mean that you should cater to them? Absolutely not. It means exactly the opposite. It means you should ignore that. A million people have written those books already, and they're very dull and very boring, and no one is interested in more of them. you know it's something that one has to fight uh, to do because of course people will stop you and say oh i don't think that's what people want to read um but you know you are a muslim woman and you know that there is no one kind of muslim woman so you have to start writing um, and presenting all these different facets i think um another question is again,
0: sort of more Pakistan-focused, which is, I think, good. Um, I don't know if uh, you have that, this specific experience or not, but if you have an opinion on it, please do share. And that's, mm. you know, English-language publishing in Pakistan, because as we discussed earlier, uh, yes. the publishing industry in Pakistan is not really that strong. And specifically, no. given the uh, recent uh, import ban, uh, most of our books were coming from via India, and then yeah. that stopped. So there's a we are not getting some of the latest books, which is sort of heartbreaking. Right. But also yeah. for local authors who were obviously um, I know a couple of cases as well who were like getting published. It was in the process, and now the books are out, but the books can go any everywhere else, but they can't come to Pakistan. So right. do you think this obviously is a problem but also maybe is uh, you know sort of a blessing in disguise in the fact that there's an opportunity and how would you as an author uh, hope that you know the local industry can benefit from the situation
1: um it's true that it's not really what it should be the local industry i mean i know liberty books is is publishing under their own imprint now and i think that's something interesting that's you know they did new king of the world and i was happy with with how they um how they went about it i was um the quality was very nice you know the the paper all that was good and i think they've got a nice team so so that's that's one space uh, but certainly there should be more there should be much much more um it's not developed yet um of course and regionally you know there might be Punjabi publishers that are doing great work that's not happening in Sindh or in different other places so there's a a lot to go but you know if you're a writer and you don't find that space I don't think you should consider that a block I think you should um, just write you know um, write wherever you can write that can be for newspapers that can be for magazines that can be for online journals there are websites Um, just to give you a quick example recently after Diego Maradona died, I read a really, really beautiful um, essay about him. I, I think the writer is Pakistani, Jahanzeb Hussain. Oh, yeah. um, and I tweeted it. It was a really beautiful piece, a really beautiful piece of writing. And he published it on something called uh, boof, I can't remember now, Ricochet. I mean, it was a platform I, I didn't know. I don't know if it's a blog or I don't know if it's a journal. But the point is, the world of the internet exists, even if the you know hard copy world doesn't. And so yeah. publish there. There's lots of spaces there, I think. Okay. My last question. What are you reading these days? <laughs> That's always my favorite question to ask people <laughs> um, when I talk to writers. I am reading at the moment, I'm just at the end of Helen Garner's second volume of diaries, which is called One Day I'll Remember This. And she's an Australian writer. Uh, I really, really like her nonfiction books. So I'm reading her diaries, which I just love. Um, and I'm reading them so slowly because I don't want I don't want it to end. At the same time, I am um, also I just began The Rat Line by Philippe Sands, because I'm gonna do an event online with Philippe, who wrote a book about um, you know, the Nazi escape route out of Germany at the end of World War II, and it's specifically looking at the case of one Nazi, um, Mm -hmm. Otto von Vector. So I'm reading The Rat Line as well, and am I reading something else? Um, Oh, and I just got a book of essays called Pop Song by Larissa Pham, which I'm really looking forward to starting. But I've only read one page. It was a really good first page, though. <laughs> so those are all the things on my desk.
0: How far did you go make it into the Hillary Mental
1: trilogy. You know, I read the first one, and I liked it. Um, I, like, I like it a lot, and I like her. But I didn't... I, I'm going to read two and three. But to be honest, I just really wasn't in the mood for... Long for, for, the, for that dense history um right now <laughs> but i do love how she writes so i'm definitely going back into those
0: thank you for your time this was fun hopefully thank we'll you. Uh, have you again this and discuss something I, else uh, are you by the way uh, i mean i said last question to the previous one but are you working on something
1: um, or are you two I'm books for... I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm not working on it yet, but I'm thinking about a few things, yeah.
0: Okay, Taking a little
1: bit of the last few books.
0: So hopefully we'll have you back again when that comes yes, and maybe forward. in between when we find something else interesting. Oh, sorry. Um, to, for,
1: yeah, I was expecting this, but that's okay. Sorry, I am did, did you lose that?
0: No, no, uh, we got it, we got it.
1: That's okay, sorry.
0: That's, for, for, for anyone uh, being confused, that's Fatma's dog,
1: and she has a personality <laughs> of her own. Uh, she has a huge personality. So sorry, and thank you for having me on the show. Uh, it
0: was great.